The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. I had just arrived in London at 18 and spotted this movie marquee, Meetings with Remarkable Men. The film was about the philosopher Gurdjieff, but it was the title that spoke to me. I wanted to know people like that, people changing the world by the way they lived. I've sought them out ever since, and now we'll hear from many of them on the Victoria Moran podcast, Meetings with Remarkable Women. Welcome to the podcast. Your host, Victoria Moran, author of Creating a Charmed Life, Younger by the Day, and Main Street Vegan, invites you to conversations designed to help you thrive in your body, cozy up to your soul, and use your unique gifts to change the world. Now, here's Victoria. Girls just want to have fun, right? Well, sometimes they want a lot more than that. And sometimes when that's what you want, you get more than you ever imagined. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Moran. Thank you so much for being part of this podcast today, where I talk with absolutely remarkable women, and I have a pretty good idea that the people listening are remarkable too, and that makes me really, really lucky. I am surrounded by greatness. And on today's program, we're going to be talking with someone who is active. In fact, she is an activist, and she is a lot of other things. And what fascinates me about this particular guest is that she's really, really young. She's really, really passionate, and she's really, really committed. And that gives me a lot of hope for the future. So... Let me tell you that this wonderful woman we're going to be speaking with this hour is Jamie Logan. She is a New York City-based filmmaker, a podcast host, and an animal advocate who uses health, humor, fitness, and public speaking and social media to inspire others and cultivate change. And she is cultivating change now with a new and fabulous YouTube program called It's Jamie's Corner, and we're going to hear all about it. Welcome, Jamie Logan. Victoria, thank you so much for having me on. That was a very, very nice intro, and I'm very excited to speak with you. So thank you. Well, you are absolutely fascinating. And because I am old enough to be, oh my God, your grandmother, I interview (laughs) a lot of older women who share amazing experience and strength. And I get so much from listening to my peers and people in my general age group. But I am really excited to talk with you. You shared with me earlier that you're 24 and you are taking all that amazing youthful energy and using it to change the world for animals. So why this? Why now? Why you? Let's meet you first. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I ask myself that question every day. I'm like, I don't fully understand to this day why and how I really woke up to this, you know, like, especially us as animal rights people and vegans. It's like, what did we see in this message that the other 95% of the world hasn't seen yet? So who am I? So I, as you said, I'm a filmmaker, I'm an activist, I'm 24 years old, living in New York City. And I I guess I've always been an animal lover, but I never actually saw myself going vegan. It always seemed sort of extreme to me, right? And growing up, I ate meat three times a day. I wore leather, I used skincare products and makeup products that were tested on animals. And so I always say, if I can change, really anybody can, right? So it was around the age of 13 when I was first introduced to the ugly truth of how our food gets to our plate. And it's something that is uncomfortable because it kind of forced me to look inward and look at my actions and kind of say that, wow, I was wrong. I was lied to my whole life in a way. And so when I was 13, I was visiting my grandparents in Indiana one summer. And on the highway, we were driving to my aunt's house and a pig livestock truck passed by us. 
And I was sitting in the car with my dog. And I just remember looking up and seeing these adorable little pigs stuffed, crammed inside there on a hot summer day. And a little nose came through. And I just remember feeling really uncomfortable and thinking, what's the difference between these animals and my dog? And so from then on, I decided I wasn't going to eat pigs anymore, <laughs> but still ate chicken and cows and all the other animals and dairy and eggs. And it wasn't until I was around 18 did I go vegetarian. And then I went vegan through a challenge called Veganuary, which is basically on January 1st, you pledge to go vegan for a month. It was only supposed to last a month. And well, almost five years later, here I am today. Ah, oh, good for you. Well, we went vegetarian at the same age, but it took me a lot longer to make it to vegan. First off, I didn't hear about vegan for about three years after I was vegetarian because it was just an unknown thing, even though I was living in London mm. when I, I went vegetarian. And it, it took some time and there were complications. And I am not proud that I wasn't faster, but I am so grateful that it ultimately happened. So Jamie, you used a phrase that I find interesting and I would like to explore. And that was that you were always an animal lover. And I think so many people see themselves in this way. I've been trying to adopt a dog. And so I'm having some dealings with people in the mm. rescue community these people are so dedicated. I mean, they, they pledge their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor to helping these dogs. And yet almost all of them just don't get it about farmed animals. Mm -hmm. So how do you deal? You know, it's one thing to deal with people who don't care at all. That's one kind of, of conversation. But when somebody is truly an animal lover when they're giving their lives to animals, but still eat them. I'm just so perplexed. It is absolutely infuriating. It really is to see the cognitive dissonance that these people have. And I think it's amazing, you know, what they're doing for dogs and cats, but it's kind of hypocritical when they sit there and eat a chicken sandwich while working day in and day out saving dogs or cats because there really is no difference that actually matters between farm animals and our companion animals they all think they all feel they all have the ability to suffer and so my whole life I called myself an animal lover but the, the problem was is that the only time that I actually saw farm animals was when they were already dead on my plate so it begs the question, how could something so widespread, something that's in all of our grocery stores, in all of our favorite restaurants, in all of the TV advertisements, how could something so widespread be so cruel and morally wrong? So that is another reason that I think it took me so long to connect the dots. Some people may, might say 18 years isn't a long time, but think about it, I first saw the pig livestock truck at 13. And within that five-year period, I was doing a little bit of research, but then as soon as I saw slaughter footage, I would click away. But it's it's like, if we can't even watch this stuff, why are we buying it? Why are we eating this, right? That is, is the startling question that... Oh. <laughs> I just, I can't figure it out. And I think if somebody did some sort of amazing demographic research or if they got a big grant to study it, maybe they mm -hmm. would figure it out and, and we could have the answer. Part of it, I do think, Jamie, and what do you think about this, is that we are just such a small number right now. Right. I think about the abolition of human slavery in America when people were working for that in 1700 and 1800 and 1850, they didn't really know where they were in the history of the thing. They just knew that they were on the right side. And I feel like that's where we are as animal rights activists. What do you think? I think so as well. I think we still are such a small number. And once we reach more and more people, then it will see more of a domino effect and more of a ripple effect. But right now we're starting to break the surface. And 
I think we are just in the process of we're triggering more people. And I, I really hate when people will come at you and be like, you know, it's the way that you're saying it or the way that you're doing it. I think we need all different kinds of activism. And I do want to get into my activist journey and why I'm up to what I'm up to now. But I don't think that there's necessarily a wrong way to advocate. I think that we just need to try different things because if we knew what the right way was, then we would see a more vegan world. And I think part of the problem is activists like myself, we get in a bubble where we think that more people are vegan than they actually are because most of my friends have made significant changes. I work at an all vegan film company. And so then when I step outside of that bubble and I'm in a different group or a different setting, it snaps me back into reality. And I am kind of startled. Yeah, it's a very nice bubble to be in as long as you can keep yourself there. But you're right. We have to know what's going on in the real world. I wanted to ask you, too, about the various aspects of, of vegans. And some people don't even use the word vegan. But just this mm -hmm. month, we've had this wonderful news in, in New York City that Mayor Eric Adams is seeing to it that every healthcare worker in the city system is trained in lifestyle medicine, the foundation of which is a plant-based diet. Now, this is all about that health aspects of, of eating in this way. It's not about animal rights, but oh my goodness, when people can stop saying, well, why didn't my doctor ever mention that? You know, it's going to help. And I think, you know, all the environmentalists as well, who, who are awakening to this, I think it all helps. What do you think? Absolutely. I think any way that you approach it should be tailored to the group that you're talking to or the person that you're talking to. So for example, if I'm talking to somebody that cares deeply about the environment, it might be a good idea to bring up the fact that more greenhouse gas emissions are caused from animal agriculture than the entire transportation system combined. Or one burger patty takes around 660 gallons of water to produce, which is like leaving your shower running for two months or the fact that 91% of Amazon rainforest is being destroyed because of animal agriculture. That might be something great to bring up for an environmentalist. Somebody that might care about their health, it might be a good idea to bring up the links and the studies that show how dairy is linked directly to cancer and meat is also classified as a class one carcinogen. This is not a vegan activist telling you that. This is the world health organizations that are that are stating these facts. So really depending on who you're talking to, I think we can tailor our message because part of the reason that I'm vegan is for the environment and also for my own health. And I think what keeps me vegan and will always keep me vegan is the animals and the suffering that they go through because there is no right way to do the wrong thing. I think people often forget that at the end of the day, in all of the animal agriculture industries, which includes meat, which includes dairy, and which includes eggs, and also animal testing and fashion, wool, leather. At the end of the day, all of these animals lose their lives. Baby cows are shot in the head for dairy products, and mother cows are sent to slaughter shortly after their milk production slows. Egg-laying hens will also be sent to the slaughterhouse, and inside egg hatcheries, male baby chicks are macerated or electrocuted or drowned first day of life. I think people forget these things, right? So uh, really, depending on who you're talking to, I think it's important to bring up these three aspects, which is environment, which is health, and which is also the animals, because if they don't connect to the animals they will connect to at least the environment or their own health. One would think, and I'm totally with you, the animals keep me in. Because I was at a, a gym class uh, around Thanksgiving time, and the teacher was saying, you know, you, you want to eat healthy 80% of the time. And then you give yourself that 20% for comfort food and what makes you happy. And it's like, that's all fine. But if I weren't vegan for the animals, I would hear something like that. And I would put animal food in with that 20%. And 
And it's not the same as, oh my gosh, I, you know, had some candy or, or I had some, you know, faux meat or whatever it is that might not be as healthy as I want to be. But when somebody else's life is at stake, that goes way beyond whether or not it's going to make me healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think uh, that's a really, really good point is that there is veganism is not a part-time thing. And I really hate when some people call themselves vegan and then here and there have, you know, some meat products or dairy or eggs like once in a while. It's like, I'm not, I'm not here to be the vegan police, but at the same time, I think people do need to realize that veganism is an ethical stance against violence and oppression for towards animals and so you can't do you can't be against animal abuse part of the time it's like if i were to say i'm fe a feminist and then part of the time be okay with a woman being paid less than a man i mean it, it, I, I get that maybe some people are listening and they're like oh it's different that's a stretch but really think about any other social justice movement and say part of the time you're racist or part of the time you're sexist it's like you can't you're either like anti that or for it there's no if ands or buts about it right and with the animals it, it always ends up with death so there's not even an argument exactly oh. <laughs> exactly I'm, I'm sure people want to make one so i know that not all my listeners are vegan and i think you know here we are but passionate vegans speaking passionately about veganism and sometimes that's one of the criticism it's like if you guys could just tone it down a little bit you know it would be easier to take so how do you tone it down when you're thinking about those pigs in the truck that is the question and i think that's why we come across as so passionate and maybe sort of angry is because if dogs and cats were in those trucks people would have the same reaction that we're having right now and for those of you guys that are listening i i'm not trying to say you're a bad person or come at you in fact like i have all the love in my heart for you and you can always message me and i'll send you recipes i'm i'm a resource to help you and by going vegan it's not only going to make you feel better physically but also I find that emotionally as well, you know, you're not putting death and suffering into your body. You're eating light, you're eating, you know, foods that are living. And so I want to be here as a resource and I don't want to scare anybody away. I was not born vegan. I get it. I've been on both sides of the coin. I, again, I used to eat animal products three times a day. Every morning in high school, I would go downstairs to my deli. I would say hello to my friend, Mike at the counter. And he knew my order. It was a turkey bacon, egg and cheese sandwich with coffee that had half and half milk in it and sugar <laughs> okay that was my order every single day and then I would have a turkey sandwich for lunch or chicken salad or whatever it was and I don't it's not that I want I think oftentimes people will say oh vegans think that they're better than everybody else I mean I sometimes joke and I'll be like haha like I am it's <laughs> it's not that I think that I'm better than anybody else but I do feel that nonviolence should be the moral baseline. And I just want to put it into perspective that if this were happening to your dog, just kind of replace the word dog with cow or chicken or pig. And maybe you would understand better where I'm coming from. But this is not to attack you. This is, I want to help. I, I, I really want to help. And that's why I started doing activism and, and got involved in that. And I do many different forms of activism from peaceful protests to outreach and vegan education to giving out free food and also my YouTube channel and my films that I make. Well, we'll talk about as much of that stuff as we can possibly get to. You did offer yourself as a resource for recipes, et cetera. So before we forget that, how can people find you? Definitely. So my personal Instagram is at jlokurtz, J-A-Y-L-O-K-U-R-T-Z. And I'm available. You can DM me or you could go to my website, it's jamiescorner.com. And you can shoot me an email through there. I'm available whenever you need me. 
Great. And we'll put all of that, of course, in the show notes at victoriamoran.com. So you said a couple of minutes ago that you uh, were going to share with us your activist journey. And I love that phrase, that it really is a journey and an adventure. You don't really know when you start out where it's going to lead. So tell us the story. Definitely. So as I said, I really never saw myself going vegan. Actually, when I turned vegetarian, I remember joking with my aunt. I was like, I, you know, feel bad for the animals, but I don't think I could do any more uh, than vegetarian. Like I could never go vegan. That's way too extreme. And I'll never forget when I said that because about a month later, I took the Veganuary Challenge, which was January 1st, 2018. I signed up and I pledged for one month that I was going to go vegan. And within that month, Veganuary was sending me email newsletters and they basically sent recipes. They sent a lot of information about the meat, dairy, and egg industries. And it, it forced me to look into it more. And within that month, I ended up watching a documentary called Earthlings. It's a free documentary on YouTube and it shows exactly what happens and the process for the food to get to our plates. So after watching this documentary, I could no longer justify my consumption of dairy and eggs as well. I was really horrified by the processes in these industries and so with the recipes that they were sending, I actually realized how simple it was to make the change. And I was so angry after I saw this footage that I really wanted to do something about it and speak up about it. And I thought at first that, you know what, if people just knew what was happening, maybe they, they would change and I'm going to change the world. So I set off into my journey to change the world. And I landed at my first anonymous for the voiceless cube about four or five months later, I was in San Diego visiting my cousin, Alex in, um, this is also in 2018. And she has been vegan for about 15 years. So she was a, a little bit of like a mentor and a guide for me at the time. And so we went to this anonymous for the voiceless cube, which is where we just stand in a public place with TV screens that play the standard practices of the meat, dairy, and egg industries. And I want to repeat that this is standard practice. It's not like we're standing there showing the worst of, you know, the worst. This is just the, the process of what happens for the food to get to your plate. So I was standing in, in this cube formation holding this television screen and I just remember looking at people's faces and I felt finally that I was doing something and, and that I felt very empowered. So after going to that cube, I ended up attending a lot more back in New York where I, where I live and I met so many people and I'll never forget a few times this happened where I had people come up to me. I, I So I, I went from standing in the cube to then outreaching and speaking to people and asking questions like, what do you think about this footage? What have you seen this before? What What's stopping you from going vegan? Those type of questions. And I'll never forget, this woman came up to me and she goes, are you Jamie? And I said, yeah, hi, what's your name? And she's like, I spoke to you about six months ago and I just want to let you know I've been vegan since the day we spoke. And that happened multiple times, actually. And so I was I was changing people's lives. I was changing the outcome of their health, you know, they're elongating their lives by just sharing this information. And so from there, I started doing many more forms of activism. I started doing anti-fur demos, which some people consider more aggressive. And I think with fur, especially, we need to make it socially unacceptable in order to create that societal change and that shift. And we're already seeing that happen. A lot of designers are dropping fur. So I started attending a lot of those demos. I started doing grocery store disruptions. And in 2019, I attended my first slaughterhouse vigil which is where I went to a slaughterhouse in New Jersey. Uh, it was 5 a.m. And I saw these animals just stacked up on this big metal truck waiting to be taken inside. And from that day forward, I went every other week throughout college to 
this vigil in Newark, New Jersey with this group called the Save Movement. And this changed me forever. I mean, you're looking at these animals moments before they're about to be violently killed. And there is a stench in the air. You can smell the blood. You can hear screams from inside. And to be honest with you, it, it as, as an activist, you do develop forms of PTSD. I mean, there's just no way around it. And so after that, I became really hurt and angry. And I didn't know fully how to like handle my emotions. You know, it's like, I felt helpless. Like I couldn't do anything about it. And so it divided me from some of my family, some of my friends where I couldn't go to Thanksgiving dinners anymore because I didn't want to see the dead bird on the table. And I still don't go actually to these dinners because it really, it just upsets me. And so it's almost like a form of protest. It's like if there was a dog caught up in the middle of the table, most people wouldn't go. They wouldn't be okay with it. And so I don't see the difference between the turkey and a dog. So it really led me down this like path of being super angry and just not knowing if I was going to get out of this like really depressed mindset. I mean, I really, it was the first thing that I thought of when I woke up, the last thing that was on my mind before I went to sleep. And so I just, I was doing a lot of disruptions and every person that I saw on the street wearing fur, I would approach them. And it just became like my whole identity, my whole life. And I had to take a step back for my own mental health. And if it's something with any social justice movement that you want to be in for the long run, you got to make sure that you take care of yourself. So I started working for this film company called Cave Light Films shortly after I graduated. And I'll kind of tell you the story about how that came to fruition. At an animal rights march in 2019, this director came up to me, his name's Jordan, and he asked me what my shirt said. And I said, oh, this is my Newark Animal Safe shirt. I go to slaughterhouses. I bear witness. I document the conditions. I, we rescue animals where we can. You know, we give them water. And he was like, oh, wow. He's like, I'm a filmmaker. I would love to come and film your one of the vigils. And I was like, okay, yeah, that'd be great. It's always good to get more eyeballs on this stuff. So he came and filmed one of the vigils on a cold winter morning. And he made a film. He called it the Save Movement. It's now on, it's an international film now, actually. It's on Now This, Now This Politics. I uh, and it has over 20 million views. It went totally worldwide wow. and international. Yes. So after he produced that film, he said to me, he's like, do you want to intern with me this summer? Let's, you know, see what stories we could tackle. So we made six films since in the past two years, and we have over 75 million views on films that tell these really important stories about the animal rights movement. And it draws attention to this pressing issue of animal agriculture. What a story and what numbers. That's, <laughs> that's stunning. It's hard to get eyeballs on this stuff, you know? So we're, pre we're, we're very happy with the 75. We, I think it's over 75 million views now. Yeah. On, on just all of our films combined on various platforms. Mm -hmm. So, well, speaking of views, you have got a YouTube show that a lot of people are talking about. So what's the format? What's the purpose? And uh, how fun is it? Thank you so much. Thank you. I started a YouTube show. It's called Jamie's Corner. And I was always going to these anonymous for the voiceless cubes and speaking to people on the street, but I never actually thought to record some of these conversations. And I had noticed that a lot of other, if I went on Instagram live or I was doing some type of protest stuff, it really wasn't reaching non-vegans and really, I don't think vegans really wanted to like see any more horrible things either. And so I had to think outside the box and I was like, what's something that is going to get people to look something that's maybe humorous and entertaining and something that is sustainable that I enjoy doing. Like I'm sick and tired of going out and 
bawling my eyes out at slaughterhouses every other week. You know, I still go to the vigils because I do think it's important to be there for the animals and document the conditions and also remind myself of why I speak up, you know, but I don't go as often as I was going. I, you know, instead find ways to reach more people. So I started the YouTube show and Jordan was like, why don't I come and film one of your conversations at at the anonymous for the voiceless cubes so he came and filmed my the first ever episode that we did and it ended up uh, we edited it you know fun fast-paced music and also it's funny like some of these interactions are really ridiculous and some of the people that I run into it's like you are out of control these people are so funny so we there's a fine line that I walk between discussing the animal stuff and and that is not funny there's nothing funny about that but some of the reactions that people have to the topic they're they're like what is this you know like it's it's something that you're just in the middle of Washington Square Park and then you see this it's it's shocking right so it's the 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 awkwardness of myself that really I'm making fun of and also just the awkwardness of the conversation so I wanted to find a format that was humorous that people would watch and 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 laugh but also see the animal stuff and see the footage so my goals and my hopes with this channel as I continue to grow it is that it does lead to more impact and change and gets people to to view this horrible stuff but in a way that is is doable you know it's not like you're just sitting there watching a two-hour documentary of animals being slaughtered it's like you're seeing little pieces of it but also the message is very clear. So you have a film background, obviously, and you know what you're doing on YouTube. And so many people want to do something powerful, want to do something impactful. So what would you say to them about YouTube or video activism overall? Definitely. So the film background has definitely helped, but you do not need to have a film background to do any of this stuff. And I find that often we'll use that as an excuse to not do certain things. Social media is booming right now. I mean, you have everything from TikTok to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You have all these reels that you can post. And it really doesn't take much to take your iPhone. You could even get a little tripod iPhone stand on Amazon for like 25, 30 bucks and set that up and press record. And it's it's just a matter of playing around with it and getting to know these platforms. There's a great app that you can get on your phone called InShot, which you can edit short, fun, little social media videos. And I think that's something that's super easy and doable for a lot of people. And I think we should be using that, especially as activists. Like, let's get on there and let's do that. Let's get the views. And, you know, you got to have thick skin because I would say, I call them my fans. Most of my views and most of my supporters are actually like the people that are commenting bacon, bacon, bacon. And, you know, they're commenting, I love cheese. And just because you posted this video, I'm going to eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich. It's my haters, basically. Like those are the people that actually improve my algorithm. So it's kind of funny that that just so happens to be the case, but it's good because that's how I know that I'm really reaching more people and I'm reaching outside of the vegan community, which is exactly what I want to do. It's all about planting the seeds. But to kind of answer your question, your original question, the way that I do my YouTube videos is honestly, depending on what equipment I have available to me, I'll use even something as simple as a DSLR camera, which you can get for a couple hundred bucks. You got to get a tripod for it. Somebody that is your friend or if you have a filmmaker friend to film you, and then the most important is audio. If the audio is not clear, it's the there's you're working with nothing. So you can even go to a store like B&H in the city, which is a, vis- a video and audio store, which they have great mics. And I have a, I think it's called a Rode microphone. And what it is, is it's a little device with a lav attachment that actually just records straight into an SD card on the device. And then you can sync up the audio later. I know this might sound complicated to some of your listeners. I'm trying to simplify it, but it really is. It's it's a matter of just looking up a few Google or YouTube, just YouTube how to record a 
stand up bit, you know, or whatever it is. And and just practice. Just it's all about pressing record on the camera and getting out and doing it. It's stop with the excuses because all the information that you would ever need is online. And I I think it's such a great way to reach people. And, and then the editing, listen, it comes with practice. Like I I wasn't always somebody that edited, but I practiced and hours and hours and hours and hours later I can say that I I can edit something that gets a lot of views and that holds people's attention and hopefully is entertaining enough. <laughs> As I listened to you, I was thinking, gosh, that sounds really complicated. I know. But for an animal in the system, they couldn't do it at all. And if their voice is going to be heard, it's because some of us are going through whatever is complicated or challenging or intimidating and doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be honest, it's not easy going out there and talking to strangers and approaching them. I mean, I've gotten more comfortable with it like over time, but it's not fun all the time. I mean, it's kind of hard and awkward and sometimes it's cold out and I don't want to be doing that but as you said I do it because I care so deeply about the issue and I do it because I want to reach more people and I found that this is a format that works for me and also I think another really important thing is going back to when I felt like I was losing myself and I was just super depressed and seeing so much horrible footage all the time and it was something that actually allowed me to be myself and get back to who I am while also advocating. Do you find that when you show the images to people they usually figure out a way to tell you that the meat they eat is different mm-hmm. all the time, all the time. And it's funny because in actually a few of my Jamie's Corner videos, this exact scenario came up and I'll just say, oh, really? Okay, where do you get your meat? And one of the guys said, oh, the grocery store. I just look and I just gave a look to the camera, you know, just to be like, okay, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But at the end of the day, what I always like to bring up is no matter if your meat is raised on a family farm, you know, where they're being cuddled every night and loved where they have names, or if it's a factory farm where 95% of the animals come from, at the end of the day, they all still end up in the same slaughterhouse with a knife dragged across their throat. I actually find that it's an an ultimate act of betrayal where these animals that are loved and cared for are shipped off to slaughter. They end up in a slaughterhouse and they're like, oh my God, where am I? I mean, they value their lives, right? They, They have a desire to live even more so than an animal that was abused their whole lives, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. So it's like, how could you send a loved one, whether it's a dog, whether it's a cat, whether it is a cow to a very violent end. Yeah, that was one of the most profound experiences of my life. I spent a day in a slaughterhouse undercover. Mm. And at the end of the day, this farmer drove three cows in, in his little truck. And two of them just walked up the ramp and that was it. Mm. And this third cow was really aware of of what was going on and she just stood there because she could smell and hear what I'd been smelling and hearing all day Mm. and the guy with the captive bolt pistol whistled at her and I, I know we're not supposed to anthropomorphize but she did pause and when somebody pauses it's to consider And it just seems so clear to me, she was considering, do I go with all my instincts and all my senses, or do I trust this person? Because she had come from one of those smaller farms where she had Mm. some trust in, in humans. And she walked willingly to her death. And that will stay with me as long as I live on this earth. Because these beings are just like us with different bodies. Right. And I don't know why that is the most difficult concept to get across to people. Something to think about. 
So usually with these conversations, I'm usually, I'm the one asking the questions because I find that people listen often to what they say. I could talk and talk and talk, but when they actually say something, they're listening to themselves. So if I can kind of corner them in a way to get them to just reconnect with their innate values and morals, that's what I try to do. Because I think at the end of the day, we all have a good heart and we all are looking for ways to at least make this more humane. I think we can all agree, whether you're vegan or not, that factory farming is horrible and not kind. And people will try to opt for the family farm option if I don't know if people do that maybe because it's more expensive, but I was going to say that if they could opt for the family farm option, they would rather that than have, you know, an animal suffer their whole lives. I think we, that's like the baseline that we can all agree on. But then what I try to do is to the next step is, is wake people up and make them realize that there is no right way to do the wrong thing. And there's Mm -hmm. no right way to kill if we don't have to for survival. Wow. Well, that was fascinating. And I love what you said about asking questions because obviously, I think we all have within us the compassion. You know, we we all want to be kind. I always think about being at an outdoor cafe a couple of summers ago, I guess it was 2019, it was before the pandemic, and there was an injured pigeon. And all these women were just mobilizing who can get a box, who can get a taxi, who can call the wild bird fund. Mm -hmm. It was a big deal. But once the pigeon was on their way to get help, the women went back to their chicken salad. Wow. And to just be able to make that connection. I guess that's the thing. And that's what you are so about and all these wonderful things that you do. So everybody, you need to meet this woman, Jamie Logan. It's jamiescorner.com. Her YouTube show, It's Jamie's Corner. And we'll put all her other URLs in the show notes. And now just for fun, as we wind down, There is another kind of activism that you've been doing. In fact, it was actually a a little film about that, which was how I heard of you originally. And that is the lingerie protest. What's that all about? So basically all around the world, women are stripping down into their underwear to get people's attention on the animal rights issue. And it's a little controversial. And I feel like this is a whole podcast episode in itself, but I felt that I wanted to use my body, my femininity, and my power to get people's attention and wake them up. It's like we need to do this and and spread this message by any means necessary. And if people don't want to look at the horrible footage, well, maybe they want to look at sexy women in their lingerie while holding up signs. And you get the controversial statements, which is like, isn't that playing into um, the patriarchy and isn't that objectifying women? And it's like, well, it's very consensual. It's like, we want to do these things and we feel empowered to do these things. Cause also I found that it was a great way to talk a lot about body positivity and women empowerment. And so it was actually a very positive way to get the message out. I've done a few of these lingerie protests and we want to do more, but there's a whole film about it, which you can check out. If you just type in the lingerie protest film, it's on Unchained TV, also on YouTube and at our website, cavelightfilms.com. Fun. You know, to me, it's whatever it takes to make change. And certainly nobody who doesn't want to do it should be doing it. But I'm down to try. Yeah, I'm down to try anything as long as nobody gets hurt. And, you know, it's positive, it's fun. And it also gets people talking about animal rights. Yes. Now, give me a vision. Uh, 20 years from today, you're 44. What does the world look like for animals? I think in any sort of social movement, you have to have some sort of optimism. So I'm going to say that in 20 years from now, we are going to see a world where lab-grown meat is a lot more predominant than factory farm slaughtered animals, where people can still eat whatever the hell they want as long as nobody suffered. So that's really my goal. And we're already starting to see that being scaled. The FDA just approved it. And uh, hopefully a lot more plant-based foods incorporated anywhere that you go. I want it to be more accessible, more affordable, 
And I think that one day people are going to look back and they're going to say, oh my God, I can't believe humans used to eat, confine, torture, and mutilate sentient baby animals. So final question, tell us what you eat. Oh my God, everything. I, I think a lot of people have this misconception that when you go vegan, it, you're sacrificing something like taste or flavor. And it's the, been the complete opposite for me. I eat everything from burritos to pizzas, to flatbreads, to bagels, to salads, to cookies. I mean, anything that I used to eat, I eat now. I just removed the cruelty. So I would say a normal day of eating for me is I usually like to start off with an oatmeal or a smoothie. Sometimes I'll just have a bowl of cereal if I'm trying to, you know, get out of the house quickly. Um, and for lunch, I'll do something like a bowl of pasta or I'll do tempeh, tofu or seitan, which is a great source of vegan protein. I also love muffins, by the way. That's another thing. I've been really into the gluten-free vegan muffins. Think coffee in New York City has a great gluten-free vegan muffin. And for dinner, I change it up. I do anything from stir fries, which is so great, so easy. I think the longer I've been vegan, the more I lean towards more whole foods plant-based, partly because you just feel better when you're eating foods that aren't so oily and fried and processed. I love just sometimes, sometimes just like the simple taste of peppers and mushrooms. I love mushrooms. So I'll do stir fries. I do a lot of curries. I'll make soups. I love butternut squash. And yeah, the list just goes on and on. I eat everything that I used to eat except a vegan version. I love your phrase, remove the cruelty. Because so often I think we get bogged down and, well, you know, you, you don't eat meat and that's red meat and white meat. And then you don't eat fish and, and you don't eat any dairy products. And that includes cheese and ice cream and, you know, and it seems so onerous when if instead we said, oh, you just eat everything, just remove the cruelty. Exactly. There's no restrictions. And nowadays you can go into the grocery store. You can even go into Walmart. I mean, sometimes I'll be in the middle of Tampa, Florida, visiting one of my grandparents and, you know, I'm like, there's no vegan restaurants around here. So I go to Walmart and even at Walmart, they have Amy's vegan pizza frozen, which isn't the healthiest, but they've, they have fruits and vegetables. They have avocados. I could do avocado toast. They have soups. They have anything really to yeah. make it work rice and beans tofu sometimes just keeping it simple add a little spinach rice beans and tofu and you have a meal honestly I love it and and I love you we've never met but you just have this wonderful energy I'm just so happy that you're out there that you're doing what you're doing that you've learned to kind of pull back sometimes and take care of yourself so you will be able to do this for the long long haul it's very helpful. Thank you, Jamie Logan. Thank you so much. And I love you as well. I always find that when I meet vegans for the first time, it's like we have that instant connection, that instant just relationship. And so I admire everything that you're doing. And thank you for giving me this platform to speak to your audience. And as I said, guys, please reach out to me anytime. I'm here for you. I'm not your enemy. If anything, I just want to help you. And it's going vegan has only benefited my life in ways that I didn't even know was possible. So I'm really here to just help you. Oh, you make me smile. <laughs> thank you so much, Jamie. And now for our little time together, just you and me, thank you so much for being with us today and being part of this. I'm so inspired by Jamie. I think that anybody that has a cause and is really willing to devote their life to it is just somebody to be celebrated. And I hope that you're as inspired by her as I am. She did mention Veganuary, which was her route to going vegan several years ago. And if that's something that's of interest to you, January is just about upon us. And uh, you can check out what the good Veganuary people are doing. Just go to veganuary.com. V-E-G-A-N-U-A-R-Y. 
and they're started in the UK. And so you can see the UK Veganuary or you can click for the US Veganuary. And if you are interested in for a short time or maybe a forever time uh, becoming vegan or moving a little bit more in the plant-based direction, uh, those folks can really help a lot. I also want to remind you of something that I have coming up on January 7th. And that is 2023, your year of living agelessly. It's just a little afternoon retreat. And if you do sign up for this, you get an absolutely free brand new copy of my classic day book, Younger by the Day. And this is a real book. It comes from HarperCollins. It's 370 some pages. And every day for 2023, it will give you information and inspiration about feeling better about yourself, feeling better about life, feeling better about the age you are. So you can uh, kick things off on January 7th with our little retreat, 2023, your year of living agelessly. And then you can go on through the year getting younger by the day with the book. So if you'd like to check that out, you can go to tinyurl.com slash ageless 2023. That is tinyurl.com slash ageless 2023. And I invite you to be in touch online of the Victoria Moran podcast listeners group on Facebook is there. That's our kind of inner circle. Would love to have you be part of that. And you can also uh, go to my website, victoriamoran.com. Or if you're interested in um, just having some little uh, connections on social media, I'm all over the place. Uh, Instagram, Victoria Moran author, Twitter, Victoria underscore Moran, Facebook, Victoria Moran author. Oh my goodness, we will be hanging out so much. We will be BFFs. So thank you again so much for today. Thank you for opening your mind to new ideas. And uh, just thank you for uh, hanging out here with me. Now go out and be remarkable. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can learn more about Victoria or contact her at victoriamoran.com. Be part of her inner circle by joining the Victoria Moran podcast listeners group on Facebook. And if you're a vegan looking to up your game, check out Victoria's acclaimed training and certification program, Main Street Vegan Academy at MainStreetVegan.com. I'm Laura Worcester, host of the Intuitive Life Podcast. As an intuitive medium and teacher working with the world of spirit, I love to share the peace that comes with the awareness that our departed loved ones are still with us. And I also love to help people explore what it means to live an intuitively led life. Start listening now on mindbodyspirit.fm or wherever you get your podcasts.